Today's special WTF Oscars edition, apologies, Mark Marin, of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor since 1975. We have college basketball conference tournaments and March Madness coming up. I can't think of a smarter, easier way to get tickets to these games than SeatGeek. I went on there today, coincidentally. There were a ton of good seats available for the ACC tournament at Barclays. This is what happens when you go on SeatGeek. You find seats. I've had SeatGeek on my phone for two years, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for the best tickets. Thanks to the revolutionary grading system, buy and sell tickets in just two taps on your phone. Everything is fully guaranteed. Try it out. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by The Watch, one of our ringer podcasts that had a live post-game show after the Oscars last night. Not realizing that this would be like having a live post-game show after like Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald or something. Like it was that kind of what the F moment. And uh, and check that out, The Watch. You can hear them, Andy Greenwald, Chris Ryan, and special guest Amanda Dobbins reacting in the moment. Or you can listen to us right now. We have Sean Fantasy and Wesley Morris coming up to talk about uh, the craziest Oscars of all time. But first, Pearl Jam. All right, Sean Fantasy, Editor-in-Chief, The Ringer, Wesley Morris, critic at large, New York Times. We all worked together at Grantland once upon a time. These two love movies more than anybody I know. That's not hyperbole. Last night's Oscars was headed toward a really blah ending, and then all hell broke loose. Wesley, what was your reaction? Uh, well, okay, so I was sitting there. I was watching, I think at that point, Jason Horowitz had not gotten up, or Jordan Horowitz had not spoken yet, one of the producers of La La Land. But I was noticing behind, behind him, Warren Beatty and, the, and a guy, like a stagehand with a microphone, was like looking for something. And I, I just knew. I knew. I knew. I knew. I knew somebody had won the wrong Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know who it was. I didn't. Know, I didn't think it would have been La La Land. I actually didn't know, but I knew somebody had made a mistake, and that mistake was going to result in somebody having an Oscar confiscated. Sean, um, yeah, there's there is an amazing moment in that video where you see a body flash across the screen while yeah. someone's giving a speech, and it looks like it's almost like a recreation of the streaker from the '70s in front of David Niven, but it's it's yeah. someone holding an envelope yeah. basically, and it's totally bizarre. I was floored, obviously. There's no, this is insane. This is crazy. These things are the most managed public acts in the world. Yes. So to get something like this wrong is utterly insane. I think what your reaction was says a lot about you as a human being because my reaction was that somebody crashed the stage and was pretending that they won the Oscar and was trying to take it and they were trying to get this person off and it never dawned to me that it was the wrong envelope because how could that happen? They have, you know, a famous accounting firm that that makes it but then it 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 was like uh usual suspects. Then you think like Oh wait a second! Beatty did look at the envelope, and then he went in to see if something else. And then it all kind of fell into place. Barry Jenkins is Kaiser Soze. Yeah, he did it. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, well, here's here's the mystery, though, right? I mean, Bill, you should ask your question, but I just want to present this to, to think about. 
What did Faye Dunaway see when she said La La Land? Because I, I think she just assumed that that was, I think she might have inferred from Emma Stone's being, her, being, her name being on that, on that card. I don't know. But, but. I, Wesley, I think it said, I think it said Emma Stone and then La La Land underneath it. And, yeah. And that's. Right, but the print is so small on the identification of the category. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's not like in, in the largest spot. It said La La Land. It, it would have said Emma Stone, which meant that Faye Dunaway, eagle-eyed Faye Dunaway, <laughs> just went right to the bottom of the card where it said it. I mean, she's won an Oscar. She knows what the card looks like. <laughs> That's true. Good points. Faye Dunaway's just, old. I think you got to just remove all whatever off the table. I hate to use the old people thing, but like, if my mom was up there, first of all, my mom, when we're at a restaurant, needs like a bright light to like. She probably couldn't see. She probably just saw Emma Stone and was like, "Oh, it's La La Land," and wanted to get it over with. Would be my guess. It also wasn't her job well, to read that name. Like clearly, Warren Beatty was going to read the name. You see him open the envelope. He looks at what's on the on the on the card, and he's baffled. Yeah, and then he passes yeah. the buck quite clearly. He, right. So, so well, you know, I think what I think was he was trying to show her how weird this was. But he couldn't say into a microphone, "Hey, don't you find this crazy? This says Emma Stone." I want to know what you guys and would have done in this scenario. To... I... I would have stopped. I told you this last night, Bill. I would have pulled in Adele and just said, "Wait a minute, stop. This is not right." <laughs> I would have basically did. I would have done what jo- Jordan Horowitz wound up having to do. Right, so, just say... but, but let's say Leo opens the envelope. He probably uh-huh. stops, right? Because he won last year. He knows what the envelope looks like. But Warren Beatty had won an Oscar in, in how many years? 35 years. 35 <laughs> years. And, and he's an old man. And... Well, Faye Dunaway was even longer than that. So Right. I, it, it went from being so happy to see them on the stage together. Like, I, I saw... Yeah. I saw some terrible horror movie a couple months ago. I told you this, Wesley. And Faye Dunaway was in it for... Yeah. For uh, for two scenes, and I was just kind of bummed out. Faye Dunaway, this iconic actress from the seventies, and and now and now there's a relevancy again. But I have two very important questions. Mm-hmm. Does this go in the first sentence now of Warren Beatty's obituary? <laughs> when people write about Warren Beatty, are they going to say Warren Beatty, comma, who's who was involved in the craziest Oscars <laughs> disaster that ever happened and also won a bunch of Oscars. Like, how does this play out? Wesley, what do you think? No, 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 no. Because, okay, ma- no. If he dies tomorrow, maybe. And this, this look, from the look on his face, this is probably enough to kill him. He's lucky <laughs> right, to be alive. He is. The- I just feel like, Oh, man, I have so much sympathy for every single person involved in that scenario. You know, Moonlight was the movie I wanted to win most. I do not hate La La Land the way some people hate it. I think it is a a good movie with some, like, bad philosophical, some bad political problems for me. But I like talking about them. Um, I would not wish what happened to anybody last night on my worst enemy. Not the people at the accounting firm, not Warren Beatty, not anybody involved with either movie, not the poor stagehand who had to figure this nightmare out. Like, it just, it's so bad. And I think as far as Warren Beatty goes, no, because he was a classy gentleman about it as far as I'm concerned. Okay, good. I mean, he, he honestly didn't know what to do. 
Yeah. I mean, he made the wrong decision in, in, in as much as he, like, just didn't turn around and say, you guys gave me the wrong envelope. Well, you know, but there was a, it reminded me in a weird way of the Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson Super Bowl, where it, mm. took, it took two people to tango. And in this mm. case, JT was Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty was, uh, was Janet Jackson. Like, she was the one that said La La Land won. <laughs> he was the one who was confused and didn't know what to do. And she barged in. And then the reaction was, oh, Warren Beatty, what happened? It's like, what about Faye Dunaway? She's the one who ripped off the, the thing and showed the nipple. I think it was because he was so expressive in the moment. You know, he's such a, he's become such a ham in his, in his dotage, you know, and he's so good at kind of popping his eyes and making a face that makes you think like, oh, Warren's up to his old tricks again. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think no, neither one of them is really at fault. I, I was just at Starbucks five minutes ago and I grabbed the wrong coffee. Someone got their coffee ahead right. of me and I, I went to go drink it. And I, someone was like, that's mine. And I was mortified, right. mortified because I had made that mistake. And that was in front of five people in a Starbucks. Not 120 million? Not 120 also, million Sean, people. Sean, can I, can I ask you a crazy question? Go. <laughs> Did you take a black person's coffee? No, no, <laughs> no. It was a small white woman and she got it. You know, I've known Kimmel, I've known Kimmel since November 2002. And he's, he's one of those guys. He's like... Uh, He's like Nick from The Bachelor. You can read his face at all times. And yeah. he was really upset at the end. Like that was the I'm genuinely upset Jimmy face. Like I think he felt horrible about what happened and just didn't know what to do. And he actually handled it really well. I mean, think about like if Seth MacFarlane had been the host for that or some oh of the God. other hosts well, they've had. Like that could have been a disaster. Bill, I think Jimmy was a great host. He was really, really good. I agree. He was there the whole night. He never flagged. But I will say that moment, he just, I mean, he, like, trying to add some kind of levity, and then he made a moonlight joke, and it, 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 I think that was the one part of the night where his, where his improvisational and, 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 and fast thinking, it, it just didn't work because something serious was really happening, and it just it clearly wasn't funny to anybody. That's a fair point. Um, I don't think he. I, I think when you're in the moment like that, you don't realize the gravity of it. You're just trying to be like, oh man, this is. Oh, I I better. But you know, I think everyone goes under the bus here, and no one was at their best in that moment. There's th- th- this has never happened before. It was incredibly weird. Even a lot of people have gone out of their way to compliment Jordan Horowitz, like you pointed out earlier, Wesley, about the way that he handled himself. He did handle himself very beautifully, but I can. There are plenty of people on the Ringer staff who are like, "Yeah, but the way that he talked about my friends in Moonlight that made me uncomfortable." You know, there's oh, come on, there's what are you all gonna, kinds you of can't criticism in that. Yeah. and undermining, and we're, we're just we're on uncharted terrain here. Well, I, I no, go ahead, Wesley. I don't know. I, I just think that. Oh God! Can you imagine? This is my. This is the Oscar dream that I have every year, except it never comes true. <laughs> and it's always like, this year I had it about Isabelle Huppert. I had an actual dream that Isabelle Huppert took Emma Stone's Oscar. I swear to God, she went up on stage and just took the Oscar out of Emma Stone's hand. I am not. I'm not kidding. Well, you know who else dreamed and that I, was uh, was gamblers <laughs> because there was some some heavy who. <laughs> <laughs> some heavy Isabel action. She went from like 20 to one to nine to one. And then on the, the other one that had a lot of movement was Denzel. Yeah. By the time the Oscars yeah. launched yeah. last night, Denzel was like a minus minus one eighty favorite. And that's like, 
There's a lot of people that won last night just because of what happened and how it played out that overshadowed everyone else. Denzel's reaction during the KCF speech, I think, would have been a big deal today, and now nobody cares. Yeah, what did you make of that, Wesley? Yeah. Just look at the look on Denzel's face when uh, Casey shouted him out from the stage. Again, these these are scenarios in which, you know, they're for the great. I don't ever want to experience any of that in my life. And yeah. Denzel Washington, I mean, I don't know. He likes to win. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he and I think by the time last night happened, it'd be one thing if he hadn't gotten anything for that performance, but was just consistently nominated all, you know, throughout this entire process. But he won a SAG award over Casey Affleck. Right. And that was actors saying to this actor, to these two actors, that Denzel, we think this performance is better. I think there was also the sense that Casey Affleck would be get dinged somehow by enough voters by the sexual harassment situation um, for that to be sort of distasteful for people. But I think Denzel's reaction was the reason to love that man is that he's he doesn't act when he's not being paid to. <laughs> right. Um, that's a good, you know, that's a good way mean, to put it. I heard, so last night or yesterday afternoon, ABC was rerunning old Barbara Walters Oscar interviews. Oh. And they this reran this one. one from Denzel from 93 mm. after he did Malcolm was, X. When he was like Al Pacino. <laughs> right. So what yep. was, there was a couple of fascinating things about this. One is he's, Almost cocky. Like, I, I would use the word cocky to describe it. And he's completely unself-aware, which the internet over the next 15 years completely changes what a Barbara Walters interview is. And all of a sudden, now people are tiptoeing and be very careful. Back then, he's like, she asked him, like, do you think she, you think you should win? He's like, well, you know, I see people talking about Clint Eastwood, but come on. I love Clint Eastwood, but come on. That's not what he did in that movie compared to what I did. And you're like, whoa! Like It's like shots fired at Clint Eastwood. And he's like, the only one that, you know, Pacino won. I get it. He's won eight. But, you know, very, very, like, this Oscar belongs to me unless they give it to Pacino. So I don't know. I mean, yep. he's just a confident dude. I, I think what Wesley said is right, too. It's you. I think more so than anything, even aside from some of the um, political or social discomfort that some of the Casey Affleck stuff creates, I think Denzel just really wanted to win. This was a huge passion project. Movie he directed that to. movie. Yeah. Like, it was a big deal for him. And I think because of that SAG award win, he thought he was going to win. And so you could see, I felt like you could see in the moment, he was kind of like, God damn it. I can't believe I didn't get this. I have, yeah. I'm, I have a take that's going to make both of you uncomfortable. Casey Affleck should have won. He, it was a I better movie, and he was better in it. And Fences was a half hour too long. I'm sorry. It just was. <laughs> it, w- it was a play brought to life, and he's very Denzel in it, and he's very powerful. But Casey Affleck, that was like, you know, first of all, it's the best performance he'll ever have in his career. The role was amazing. The movie was so affecting. And it's one of those movies I'm going to remember watching 10 years from now. I'm not going to remember Fences 10 years from now. Like not in that, not well, not, not with that not, kind of impact. Um, here's what I would say. I mean, you're right about Fences not being the movie the play is. Um, it cuts a lot of corners. It's not as deep. There's something about having the camera in the way of these two people connecting and 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 and, and figuring out their marriage together that really works on a stage that really doesn't work as powerfully in a movie. The other thing about Denzel is. 
and this is just like, this is just, you know, gender in America. Can you imagine? Now, that's, what is that? That would be Denzel's fifth time losing an Academy Award yeah. as an actor. Meryl Streep has lost <laughs> 17 of those bad boys, or 18 of them. 18. Can you imagine that, you know, if, if she thought she was going to win for Florence Foster Jenkins last night, if she had sat there the way he had sat there, right. and it just been like, I'm not doing this. This is this is ridiculous. I don't Emma think Stone. I don't think he needed to win the Oscar for Fences to validate anything that's happened in his career. And no, I don't know. I, I think I he's think been he better in movies. Do you think that was one of the three best performances of his career? I no, would say hell no. I mean, it's not, but it is yeah. one of the three best of probably the last ten years. And he's of, he, of his uh, last years. Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously, like I said, it's a very personal movie for him. It's complicated. You know, I was almost certain that he was going to win after Barry and Terrell won for the Moonlight script and after Mahershala won and after right. Viola Davis won. And it did seem like, at least in the acting categories, there was a very pronounced sea change. I that thought, was when, happening. But I thought when Lonergan won for screenwriting, for that's what made me think that uh, Casey was going to win. And the other thing with Denzel... The son in Fences is just not good. <laughs> and he has a lot of scenes with that son. And it, yeah. and it's like watching, you know, LeBron James playing pickup against like the 15th guy in the Cavaliers. Like the scenes are uncomfortable because the son can't hang with Denzel. I think that's not that he's not good. I think it's just that you've got Denzel and Viola in a movie and they're just the, the wattage is on a thousand, you know. The son's not that good. Okay. If you compare him no. to the, the kid in Manchester, who mm-hmm. I thought was really good, Lucas Hedges. He's not yeah, no, remotely he's, as good like as that him. kid. And Casey had a lot of good scenes with that guy. I, I just thought Casey was better. Wesley, did Here's you... Here's the other thing to say about... Oh, wait. What, Sean? Just did you, when, when Damien Chazelle won, were you, did you think that it was, it was over completely? Or were you still holding out even an ounce of hope for Moonlight? Um, what I would say is... And I don't know if I mentioned this here before, but... I, no, I, no, I didn't. I haven't told you guys this. Because I don't... You know, I, I think... That when you're when you've got a movie nominated for 14 Academy Awards, you, there are some things that you'll know instantly in the beginning of the evening how things are going to go for that movie. Right. Especially if it doesn't have any supporting actor nominations, you just have to watch and see how many, like whether it wins some of those craft awards that under ordinary circumstances it should never win, like like the winning sound mixing and sound yep. editing. If La La Land had won those two awards it would have won everything because that would have just meant everybody was checking boxes for that movie. Um, so I knew when it, when it was only winning sporadically and there was no clear momentum and people, it was losing to movies that it should have lost to. Um, although we can talk about the Hacksaw Ridge. Oh my God. In a second. Yeah. Um, but I think, no, I always thought that there was a possibility. I always think there's going to be an upset at Best Picture. I mean, it doesn't always happen, but sometimes it does. Hey, Wesley? And I was, yeah. Speaking of winning? I'm here. Yeah, speaking yeah. of winning, let's talk about Squarespace, because they've been winning a lot lately. If you've resolved to take on a new challenge, like starting a business, changing careers, or launching a creative project in 2012... Be sure to lock down your next move with Squarespace. It's used by a wide range of people and businesses, including musicians, designers, artists, and restaurants, and maybe now Price Waterhouse. 
and allows you to create everything from a personal blog <laughs> to a portfolio from which to showcase your work. Or an online store where you can officially be open for business. You can get a unique domain to say you're part in your field. And with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. Fantasy went right to his phone as soon as I started reading this. I love there's, Squarespace. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support can help you with any problem, no matter how technical or trivial seeming. Uh, seeming. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code BS, my initials, to get 10% off your first purchase plus a free domain that's BS for 10% off your first purchase at squarespace.com. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Can I, I have another controversial opinion. I can't remember the last time I watched an Oscars where I felt like in, in the, the six major categories, I was completely happy with all six choices. Mm-hmm. Moonlight was by far my favorite movie last year. Mm-hmm. I was really happy it won. I can't usually I'm always mad at whoever wins the Oscars. And this year it was like, wow, they did it. That was the most effective movie I saw the whole year and it actually won. This is great. Not a lot of people saw Moonlight though. And so when I was just looking at my phone, there's breaking news that this was the lowest rated Oscars of the last nine years. Yeah. Um, that made sense. Which is something that people had been kind of talking about in the last few months. Um it's an interesting thing when a movie there, there's no like I like I wrote this morning, there's no precedent for a movie this small winning. Um a movie with a budget this small, with you know, an unknown cast, with a a, a filmmaker making only a second film, set in a city, like a place that people have never seen before. There's so many factors that go into the moonlight win that make it so extraordinary so unlikely um and not, I, not to mention it was, a, it, was yeah. a, it was a discovery of uh of a gay boy becoming a gay man yeah i mean you left that part out that, that, that just won the oscar it's it's unbelievable wesley uh i am equally shocked uh the thing that sucked about what happened last night is i it only it did not I was not allowed to really think about it until <laughs> about 11 o'clock this morning. Right. And, you know, I, I think circumstances under which it won kind of suck because there's a, there's a whole paragraph that you have to get through to get to what a monumental event that was. Um, and, you know, what it says about the people who decided to make it happen, like the, the, the voters in the academy, the number of precedents that it, that it establishes or, or shatters, um, I don't know. I mean, it's just – and it's from a studio that I would say basically has come out of nowhere as A24 is, is having the, like some of the best taste in film distribution, in American film distribution. It's unbelievable what they've done um, in five years. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's really it's 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 amazing, and I think it also says a lot about how broken Hollywood is too. And this is not this is nothing to do with how great a movie Moonlight is, but it's also really worth noting what those nine movies were and where they came from, and who was in them. And I mean, there was a time when. Fences would have, I mean, Fences would have been satisfied with a, with having Denzel and Viola be nominated. Right. The idea that it's a Best Picture nominee, I mean, and it's not so much that it, that's not a judgment against that movie's quality. It's just to say that it was a pretty weak field, and I would say that Fences probably skated to that Best Picture nomination because those people in the Academy had to put something on their ballot. Yeah, and um, I wonder if it also... 
how many what have we had this is like year seven of more than five films yeah 2008 was the first or 2009 was the first year it, it's it almost makes it easier for a movie like moonlight to sneak in if it's just if it's five nominees i wonder what the threshold is you know every year we talk about this and this goes back to william goldman writing about it a million years ago but they don't show us the votes <laughs> i don't understand why i i think it would be really interesting to find out oh moonlight won by seven votes I think or that's in play. Here's the breakdown. Or Moonlight only had 17% of the vote and it won. We don't know. I'd like to know. Well, it seems like relevant uh, information. There are a lot of complications with the voting. Like the, the rules are fairly arcane, where if a movie doesn't get a certain percentage of first place votes, then you start rendering the second place votes for, for a movie. It's actually more complicated. I would like to know that yeah, stuff, though. Yeah. This seems important. I think, I think Wes is right, no. though. This is a weird, very anomalous year. Like the, the fact that La La Land, which is a very strange, unlikely frontrunner, you know, was thought to be such a juggernaut that it tied the all-time record for most nominations is 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 bizarre. It's a postmodern mm-hmm, musical, mm-hmm. you know, made by a guy who loves the films of Jacques Demy and is obsessed with jazz. Like that movie has no business being the front runner at the Oscars. Or making three hundred and fifty million dollars and counting. It's bizarre. Who would have guessed that either? It's bizarre. And it's also and it has been slagged off a lot in the last um two months. But I think in some ways this is weirdly one of the best things that could have happened to La La Land in people's memories because yeah. now it has resumed as a little bit of underdog reputation. But it, nevertheless, like I think that's true of um, hit, not just Fences, Wesley, but Hidden Figures, Hacksaw Ridge, these movies mm-hmm. that you know are pure Hollywood spectacle, but oftentimes would be on the outside looking in of a prestige conversation. You know, they, yeah. they would be maybe six or seven or nine in the conversation, but because there are nine opportunities and because there was not... You know, there was no Saving Private Ryan this year. You know, there's no Brokeback. No. Well, Brokeback probably... Well, Brokeback wins if this is crack. 11 years later, right? <laughs> right, yeah, right. It totally there, wins. Yeah. There, there were upsets, but there were no juggernauts. Yeah. Wesley. Um. Yeah. This is a good thing, right? For movies? Or does this have no impact whatsoever? Um. I think this is a good thing, but it is indicative of a bad thing. I think this is a really good thing for the for a studio like A24. I think it is a good thing for people who produce and 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 subsidize our movies to really believe that there is some kind of audience for a movie that does not star famous people, especially famous people like Denzel Washington, famous black people. Um, I think it is good for movies that aren't about anything larger than just being alive. I mean, that's another thing that's unprecedented as far as I can remember. Like a movie that's not about Hollywood, that isn't about war, that isn't about something that happened in real life from the headlines. And it's just about people living lives. That that movie has... I mean, I'll have to look, but I can't recall. Maybe Driving Miss Daisy, crazily enough, <laughs> you know what I think it is, Wesley? I think it's actually Crash is the last time there was, I was a... Gonna, I was going to say, but that doesn't really count, does it? Well, I, I mean, it does count, but it doesn't count. It's a, it's, a pa- it's about an issue, right? Yeah, it's a pat yourself on the back movie, but it doesn't fall into that traditional war biopic um, movie about Hollywood trifecta that a lot of Best Picture films fall into. It's interesting. So, so one of the things that's happened in sports the last five or six years, which I've talked about and written about, is that 
the sophistication of the internet and all the people writing about what should happen and here's what was actually good and don't do this and and it's actually prevented us from MVP and rookie of the year and coach of the year, all those kind of disasters. You don't have massive mistakes with the MVP anymore. There's so much written about it. And I think the voters don't want to look bad. They are also more educated, I think, than they used to be when they read this stuff and like, oh, it's actually not that good that he's averaging at 30 points a game because it's plus minus and you just go to this other level. And I wonder if that's starting to happen with, with the Oscars. I don't know how old the, the, people who vote for this stuff is but you know well yeah but it just seems like the sophistication has to be up because you think about it like la la land wins cinematography right doesn't win Mm -hmm. screenplay lonergan wins screenplay and he should have won screenplay because it was a better screenplay than la la land la la land wins best uh best song la la land wins best director i'm fine with that that movie was extremely well directed emma stone wins best actress it's it's defensible, you know, but it's like sure. on down the line, there was no outrageous pick. And I wonder if that's where we're headed with the Oscars. Well, uh, here's my interpretation of that. I think that you're right that in the sort of the core six categories, for most serious film fans, this is like, this is a pretty good outcome, right? You, could, you can go down the line and just say, I feel good about all these. You know, the Academy, obviously, in the last 12 months has made a lot of moves to diversify the voting body you know they've added helps. they've added more young people they've added more people of color they've added more women they've added more international members i think that that's part of the reason why this happened but i think that the other part of this reason is just that this was a weird year that like wesley was saying earlier that we don't in another year with a different kind of movie if there was a quentin tarantino movie in this roster or a martin scorsese in this roster there was a martin scorsese movie this year but it was not loved but yeah. if there was something that was a little more traditionally you Oscar, liked it i am medium on silence okay um, oh chris ryan chris liked ryan it. yeah chris, chris ryan, ryan loves it, it. I, okay i'm in i i mean listen there's a whole other class of movie that i think the movies don't even recognize they make any and they just i think that movie was dumped um i think that there are a handful of other movies that were dumped by like good directors. Um, what was the biggest one? What was the biggest travesty for you in that respect? Travesty. Well, I mean, there wasn't a movie that I loved so much that didn't get nominated for anything. I mean, my two favorite movies were there: uh, Moonlight and and OJ Made in America. They were nominated and they won. So this was a magical year for me, and this never happened. But I think that there was a time when like. You know, Sully would have been, if there were five Best Picture nominees and not open to a field of ten, Sully would have been a Best Picture nominee. Hands down, no-brainer, easy peasy. But for some reason, I don't know what happened. Like, like Clint Eastwood has fallen out of favor with these people, but Mel Gibson is back? <laughs> I, it's bizarre. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what... You can't tell a clean story about the Academy with this batch of movies. You just can't tell when it makes any sense. I think the Academy is, is as divided as the country is. I think, Bill, you're right. I, I agree with you. I think every year we should know what the breakdown is because I'm sure that Moonlight did not. I mean, I'm not sure if the winner has to have a plurality or a majority. I mean, it, I mean, it, has to have, it definitely has to have a, a plurality. 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 Um, but I don't know whether or not I don't. I just don't think that that Moonlight got like a like an overwhelmingly high number of votes. I just think that things are so split. You know, I think Hidden Figures might have come in second. 
in the movie. Wow. Great theory. I thought Sully should have been nominated because, as Amanda Dobbins said, it's 90 minutes. And that itself is a major achievement. <laughs> to be able to tell a start-to-finish movie yep. in 2017 that's 90 minutes, you deserve to be nominated. And all of those shots are the first take because, you know, Clint only does one take. Clint was um, done. He finished the movie in three days. Amazing accomplishment. They did, and then the rest was CGI'd plane crashes. Just had Hanks coming in. Hey, all right, Tom, we're going to bang out that second courtroom scene right now. You know your lines, right? I'll put the cue cards right here. We can do them by 530. Wesley, in, in five years, what is the thing that makes you the maddest about this Oscars? Oh, boy. Um, about the show or the winners? The winners. Or the, or the ones who didn't um, win. Who were nominated? I, I would say, I mean, listen, I can't be mad about Isabelle Luper. I mean, as great as she was in L, that is like the tip of the iceberg of how incredible she actually is. Um, I mean, she's given so many great performances that should have been given something that is almost, you know, if we cared about that sort of thing, really, would be up in arms about that. Um, I, I think my thing is, I think Viola Davis should have been in the Best Actress category. Me too. I don't know how, on, I mean, I know how it happened. I mean, it's all, it's all rigged for what happened to happen so she could win. But, I mean, I think she would have won Best Actress last night. I do, too. It's the equivalent of if Kyrie Irving, the Cavaliers, had put him in the sixth man of the year bouting. And it's like, Kyrie Irving started every game. Well, we're putting him here. You can't say we can't. <laughs> There's no rule that says we can't do it this way. But he never played. A, he never came off the bench. We don't care. That's basically what happened. She's in. Yep. I would say if you did a usage rate or you did time of possession of that movie, she might be in as many scenes as Denzel, or at least like 85, 90% of them. It's close. Yeah. That was but it does. But that doesn't matter, right? For me, what matters is is our Hannibal Lecter theory, right? Yeah, it and that was wrong. Really. And she should have. That, that, but that was wrong. We've argued about this. He was a supporting actor. He's in four scenes. I don't know. I don't, I don't think time is really – I think I, – I just don't think that time – I mean, I guess this is an argument against my argument. But I think that it's really the impact you have on, on the movie and the moviegoer's appreciation of what happens in the movie. I'm willing to argue that Kevin Spacey might have been an unusual suspect. It was probably a lead performance. Fair. There's a great story I – mean, the movie is, there's a great story that Orson Welles tells about um, why he took a role on stage for this play, I think, that was called Waiting for Mr. Chan. And the reason that he took the role, even though the lead character doesn't show up for the first 50 minutes of the play, is because the character's name is in the title of the play. And the whole thing is sort of built around him, even though he only appears at the very end of the story. And that there is, like, there are movies, I think Silence of the Lambs falls into that category of, like, Silence of the Lambs is about Hannibal Lecter. It's about Clarice Starling as well. But the the energy around that movie was about Hannibal Lecter in the same way that I think historically... the energy theory. Well, I think people okay. are going to remember Fences in the same way. Because that Viola win is, it was so expected and excited that people are going to really remember that movie as the movie where Viola won her Oscar and not you know, Denzel's uh, directorial debut, or even an August Wilson adaptation, they're going to say, oh, that's the Viola Davis Oscar movie. I'm going to remember it for the 20 minutes after it ended when it still kept going, <laughs> after Denzel died. <laughs> and then there's another 20 minutes after that. It's like, wait, I th- uh, is Denzel, he's, Denzel's dead? We're still going? I think yeah, there's, we're still going. There's one thing that is important to remember about this. Everything that happened last night and the results of everything that happened is that People think of the Academy and the, and the voting body as 
just actors and directors. And there are a lot of people that vote for the Oscars that are technicians and producers and, you know, people who deal with money and people who deal with the business side of things and people who hold uh, lights to, to shoot film. Like, th- this is a, it's a much more diverse group of people than you might think. Some mm-hmm. of them are very old. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very, or some of them are not keeping up with the film industry on a B2B basis the way that we might. But this is a, it's a very random group of people, you know, the, the, some of them are hanging out at the bar across the street and some of them are at the Palm having dinner. You know, there, there's a, there's a real um, complexity to the way all this stuff shakes out. And that's why some of it is inexplicable right now. Most memorable scenes, which should be an Oscars category and isn't. The the best scene that I saw all year was was Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams on the street with the little hill when she's apologizing to him. Like I, I'm still haunted by that scene. What are they doing putting that in the reel for I Michelle Williams? I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> and and why put the Casey Affleck the furnace exploded scene in there? Because a lot of people probably haven't seen that movie yet. Terrible. Denzel and Viola, the 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 famous scene from that movie was amazing. Moonlight had like four scenes that are on that level or close, which is another reason why I thought it was the best movie. It just, it has so many moments that you can just see in your head. I only saw the movie once and I can see like six, seven scenes in my head. And that's why I, I feel five years from now, like I'm looking at 2012 Oscars. We, we always said like, you should wait, maybe you should wait five years to decide who should have won the Oscar for each category, right? 2012, the artist wins over The Descendants, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which was nominated. Wow. Yep. The Help, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, Tree of Life, and War Horse. War Horse. It's a tough year. That's a bad year, but uh, who wins? But the Help? That's the last. Who, uh, uh, wait, wait, wait. So you're trying to figure out what the best what the best. Yeah, who wins is? if we have the ballot right now? Moneyball is the most fondly remembered of those Moneyball movies. might win. The help was a huge Wesley, hit. Save um, us. No, I mean I think uh, the artist definitely doesn't win. I mean, can you believe it even won now? <laughs> it, is, it, it, it is. It's shocking, and it's weird because I, I feel like there is a way that that you know entertainment as a as a race of people, like entertainers as a race of people, really. I mean, it obviously appeals to to those people who without maybe knowing that they think of themselves as a race of people are kind of a race of people. And there isn't one thing that I think one of those movies would bring enough people to maybe the help. Um, is I think the, the only help's thing in I the conversation. Think. Best director, right, the I, guy from the artist one. I think Alexander Payne wins now for the descendants. Yeah. And that seems would be my guess. Best actor. That's probably true. That guy from the artist one. I think Brad Pitt wins in Moneyball, going away. Can I, I don't think there's any question. Can I just w- one low key winner of the Oscars last night is Brad Pitt. Yeah. Br- Brad Pitt's production company, uh, Plan B, with Dee Dee Gardner, was one of the uh, apparatuses that shepherded Moonlight. And yeah. you know, Brad was not there, and there was not a lot of talk of Plan B. But Plan B secretly has now had five Best Picture nominees in the last 10 years and two wins. They, they also produced 12 Years a Slave. I mean, that's a pretty interesting thing for an actor's production shingle. Those things are usually very vanity. They don't necessarily make a big impact in Hollywood. So it's just an interesting thing. Anyway, Brad Especially Pitt. Especially Brad Pitt, who nobody can tell if he's just this dumb stoner or if he's like this brilliant, it's all facade and he's actually like a genius. Best Actress, Meryl Streep, Iron Lady. 
Glenn Close, Albert Nobbs, Viola Davis, The Help, Rooney Mara, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Michelle Williams somehow got nominated for my week with Marilyn. I think Viola Davis. I think Viola Davis wins five years later. Sure, I would have gone for Rooney Mara. Street points. I liked Rooney Mara. Uh, I like Rooney Mara too. Best supporting actor, Christopher Plummer won for Beginners. And then mm-hmm. it's it's a shit show, and I, I don't need it's not even worth the conversation. <laughs> Octavia Spencer won for the help. That happens again. So we went like three for six. That that might be the worst Oscars ever. It's a pretty bad one. That was our first Grantland Oscars. We were all excited for it, and then it was like, yeah, it's gonna happen. Oh, the artists. I think we're gonna remember this year's Oscars a little more fondly than people, even though the mo- the movies weren't huge. I I think there's some good ones that are going to stand the test of time. I really feel like Manchester's going to be remembered the same way. Like we talk about, you can count on me and some of those other ones. And, uh, Moonlight's going to be an all time indie classic. And, uh, and I, I don't know. I think La La Land, it's going to flip around the other way. And people are going to be like, this guy made his passion project. He never intended it for it to make $350 million. He never intended it for it to be the most polarizing movie in five years. He didn't want any of this. He just wanted to make this movie with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. That guy's a great filmmaker. I, re- I really think that yeah. this is going to be like his fifth best movie. Yeah. I, I sincerely believe yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, here's the thing. I think that, that this is a movie for, that, that reads to me as a movie made by a person 10 years younger than Damien Giselle currently is. I think that all the politics in that movie, while they're still there, um, are not things that I think he is creatively thinking about from here forward, at least in the way that he's currently thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. I think that whatever this Neil Armstrong movie is going to be, is, yeah. I don't, I, I don't plan on being annoyed by that movie. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I, I just would be, it would, I just want people to be able to go to a Damien Chazelle movie and just inarguably experience what an extremely talented guy this filmmaker is. Um, but because his, his, his two best-known movies are about jazz in some way, I, and, and they're about jazz in, I would say, a somewhat problematic fashion, um, you kind of have to wrestle with the content as much as you do with the form. Um, but looking at, like, just go to, like, just looking at what happened last night and looking at those nine movies, the question that you really ask yourself is not so much how you remember them, is, is, which, but it's more how often you'll watch them. And... Of the movies, I mean, I just think all... I, I don't ever want to see Lion again. I know people like it. Um, I find yeah. that cheap and 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 really uh, offensive in terms of like what it tries to do to your emotions. I'm with you 100% um, on that. I liked it. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Bill. Oh, jeez. Cheap tears. Cheap tears. Oh, man. When that, that orphan, when they start grabbing the kids in the subway, that's about as scared as I've been in a movie in that's three the, years. That's the one movie, even more than Hacksaw Ridge, that's the one movie that made me feel like it was 1985. I was like, how is this here? How did this movie get made? What is what is happening? It's the, It was like the schmaltzy, I mean, the obvious... The Kidman in a bad wig? Come on. Uh, Come on. It's fine. Um, Everyone's too sensitive. I think... I mean, Hell, Hell or High Water, extremely watchable. I've seen sure. that more than once. I could keep watching it. Um, you know, if Fences comes on TV, you're not going to turn it off because what either Viola or Denzel is going to be in the scene and you're just going to keep watching. Um, Arrival, I'm going to turn out. Is it okay if I turn off the last 20 minutes? Sure, of course. Okay, they're, thanks. they're not great. Yeah, okay. Um, wait, um, hold on. La La Land. 
Oh, keep going, because we, we have to say hi to our say, friends at Wink. Okay. All, I think most of these movies are just extremely rewatchable, which isn't always the case. Like, last year's movies are not to be. This oh, is that's true. not true. Last year's movies actually are pretty watchable. What were they? Um, uh, let's see. Spotlight, Big Short, Mad Max, Fury Road, The Martian. I would not describe Rome? The Revenant as rewatchable, personally. I'll tell you one thing. The Martian is way more rewatchable than I expected. It is. I jump oh, in. Yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. not it's not on the castaway level for me yet, but it's close. Hold this thought though. We're gonna take a quick break. Talk about wine. My wife loves whining about my faults, and she really loves wine. That's why I signed her up for our sponsor, Club W, because they made it so easy to get amazing wine delivered right to our door. Well, guess what? Club W is now called Wink, W-I-N-C. Despite the new name and the improved look, it's the same old great wine company that works with winemakers all over the world to create wines you love. Wesley, you like wine. You love wine. I do. I've seen you drink wine. I'm sending you some Wink because you've been on like seven podcasts. Yeah, I'm signing you up. It's a personalized wine membership that recommends wine specifically for you and me based on the results of our palate profile quiz. They'll even take your feedback into account so they can learn more about your preferences with every order. If you don't like a bottle they send you, Wink will replace it with a bottle you'll love. No questions asked. Sign up for Wink right now. Gain immediate insider access to the best fine wine from all over the world. Find out for yourself why me and thousands of others who love wine are raving about Wink. And I have some good news. Wink, offering my listeners $20 off right now, plus complimentary shipping. If you go to www.trywink.com slash BS, remember, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash BS. Find wine personalized for your palate coming right to your door. It's a miracle. That's trywink.com slash BS. Okay. Um, I was watching No Country for Old Men over the weekend. To me, that's everything I want from an Oscar movie. It was great in the moment. It it has little like career top of the career moments for a couple different people in the movie. It made mm-hmm. me think. I liked it more the second time I watched it than the first time. And the scene from the moment Josh Berlin checks into the hotel room all the way through to when he ends up getting murdered at the pool, which we don't even see, I think is one of the best like thirty five minute stretches of any movie. And Javier Bardem is is I don't, he becomes another human being. Like I almost feel like the character he plays in that movie is not a real person and isn't even him. Mm-hmm. That's what I want mm-hmm. from an Oscar movie. And I feel like of the ones we had this year, I think Moonlight comes the closest to that and might even match it. Great in the moment. I think it's going to stand this test of time. I think the acting performance is well. I think we're going to remember it as an important movie. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, that doesn't, it's an interesting example, right? Because that is an example of a a bunch of people who have 25 to 30 years of experience at their peak, you know, from the Coens to Josh Brolin, to Javier Bardem, to Tommy Lee Jones. A little Woody Harrelson in there. Great Woody Harrelson. But it's also a very unlikely Oscar movie. And it's a good time to talk about it too, because it's 10 years this year. Yes. Um, Because it's exceedingly violent. It's very strangely told. The climax is not on camera. Right. Um, th- there's just a lot of really unusual stuff that's happening inside of it. 
so it is both like a great example of what you're talking about but you know moonlight is almost the polar opposite everybody on screen unless you're a big luke cage fan you just have never seen these people before it's you know it's barry jenkins second film but for most people it's his first um it's kind of hard to know like wesley what do you see happening for this whole the whole diaspora of moonlight you know actors the writer directors producers happening now like do they become all become big stars because of this uh, I mean, Mahershala might. Um, Naomi Harris is just one of those actors who works all the time anyway. Um, I don't know what changes for any of these people. I mean, this is the thing that I, this is the other side of what I was answering when you asked me before, Bill, what, what the, what the, what the pros and cons were of this Moonlight situation, like what changes. Um, I, I don't know that a lot does. I think, I mean, unless, I, I have to say, I mean, Sean, you brought up Plan B earlier. Plan B is a really good example of of a of a of entertainment people putting their money where their mouth is, and you know he can build houses in New Orleans. He can help you know black filmmakers get black stories told. Brad Pitt. Um, I think there have to be more people willing to lose some money or like like roll the dice to make some money and get some attention and do some good in terms of storytelling. And I don't think it always has to be, you know, they can be crazy things like Get Out, which is the number one movie in the country, not winning any Oscars, but was clearly a movie that that Jordan Peele (laughs) felt like he had to make. Jason Blum gave him a little bit of money to do it. Jason Blum, who I think is officially the most important man in Hollywood at this point. Wow. Um, well, I mean, think about he's undefeated right now. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, and he doesn't give a shit about the Oscars. Yeah, he's at a one Oscar nomination. I mean, he produced Whiplash, or was responsible in some way for Whiplash. I think this is a guy who, I mean, he'll be at the Oscars again someday in like a major way, and he'll win. But once I he mean, finishes counting now, his money, yeah, yeah, right. I think that he, I mean, he's a really good example of somebody who will just tell. The best stories by the best people. He did Shyamalan's movie. The movie's a huge hit, and it's really good. I think he's a good um, presiding influence over filmmakers. But the question is, how many people like that and the Plan B people are really going to give not like kid people who aren't Damien Chazelle chances to make movies that aren't a Star Wars movie? Forget that. I mean, those people aren't even making Star Wars movies; they're being given the option to. But what are you gonna? What are we gonna see from people who are, you know, Asian American, Arab, um, Latino? I mean, there's so many profoundly, deeply, more intensely underserved movie-going populations in this country than than just Black people, and I think that there's a lot of of I mean, rewriting of a lot of capsized ships that has to go on too um and if if moonlight winning an oscar can can get people to begin to really reckon with what it means to diversify my movie going experience that's a wonderful thing i am just i've been alive long enough and the movies have been around long enough for us to all know that that's not entirely the case well moonlight one of the reasons it works is it it had to be a movie I think where where the big struggle has come, and we've talked about this before, just creatively, is what's a movie and what's a Netflix series, and whether mm-hmm. Boogie, whether Boogie Nights would have been a movie twenty years later, or whether Paul Thomas Anderson would have taken his hard eight money 
and just said, oh, Netflix is giving me $20 million to make Boogie Nights as a TV show. I'm going to do it. And just goes yep. that way. Moonlight yep. had to be a movie. Moonlight couldn't have been a Netflix series. Guess what Barry Jenkins is doing next? A Netflix series? An adaptation of The Underground Railroad that is not a movie. Colson Whitehead's novel. So, you know, that's how it goes. That's, that, that is the state of creativity. Like, Wesley, I, I completely agree, and it'll be really interesting to see if there is some sort of cascading effect of opportunity here. You know, I think in some respects there will be, in others there won't, because there's just people at the, you know, with their hands on the levers of power that are not totally comfortable making those decisions yet. But, you know, if Barry Jenkins can get $50 million to make an amazing Netflix or HBO or Amazon, yeah. you know, miniseries, that's great. That's going to be great. Um, I'll also just say that if Barry Jenkins is being given $50 million to make that and it's not going to the movies, the movies are dead. Yeah, that's not good. Well, we still have Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, I, I'm, I hate to be that guy, but I, I just think it's true. I mean, it, we're, we're at a point, we're at a real critical juncture right now where if, if you're pick a great filmmaker and you're being in and all in the good money for good work is coming from the Netflixes of the world. By the way, a company that, to my mind, is on the verge of wine seeding their movie, which is based or wine seeding their product. They 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 get all this stuff. They just have it on the on the on the on the platform. You don't really know it's there. There's not a lot of advertising for a lot of this stuff. And it just kind of sits there. As far as I'm concerned, there's no real converse com- cultural conversation around a lot of these a lot of these works and you just have to hope you've got a friend on Twitter who's also watching it. And, and I don't like that model necessarily. And maybe this is just like, I'm just old enough to, to kind of want the, the sort of more organized chaos of, of what movie going traditionally has been. But I also think it says a lot about where movie making and movie production and, 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 and entertainment production is too. Um, everybody wants to be on a streaming platform because in some ways it seems like, like some sort of guaranteed, I don't exactly know what the, what the money is on it because they don't always, they're not transparent companies. Um, well, it's transparent when you give somebody a budget, like Scorsese couldn't make the Irishman for five years and Netflix was just like, here's 93 million, go make it. If if they're going to start doing that, that's the game changer. And then I think we could see a comeback for the movies like on the level of The Departed, like even the or like the Affleck movie that he just made that nobody saw. Those movies are going to die unless Netflix is like, here's ninety million, go make it. One of the biggest commercials they're dying, Bill. One of the biggest commercials that aired last night was for um, Will Smith's new movie. Oh, that Will Smith thing, yes. Yes, yes, which yes, you know yes. and and Brad Pitt's um next big budget action film is a Netflix movie and I think one thing the thing we haven't seen yet that'll be interesting is how long and how aggressively Netflix puts those movies in theaters because you know they're always going to put movies in theaters so they can qualify yeah is it important to them to get the Irishman and in, Amazon too Amazon Don't too them. Manchester by the Sea made 40 million dollars because it was in theaters for 10 weeks but will bright or more specifically um you know, the Irishman be in theaters for three months. And if it is, then I think in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. If it's just on the streaming platform, that is a very closed environment. And like you said, Wesley, you really need somebody to sort of recommend that experience to you. You have to hope that your two hour mid tier drama is as virally uh, appropriate as stranger things, which is hard. Wesley, this is going to make you happy. I, I know somebody who knows somebody 
and Netflix. <laughs> the Adam Sandler deal was like phenomenal for them. Those Adam Sandler movies, like the, the are you, you talking know, about your daughter right now? No, I'm not talking about my daughter. Uh, she couldn't. There's they, she couldn't watch those two Adam Sandler movies. Oh, They're the, really the raunchy. Ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. But they do great. Everybody clicks on them. Like there's a reason they have the Adam Sandler algorithm. And they noticed everybody was kept downloading and watching Adam Sandler movies. And they said, let's just give this guy, what, 30 million, 50 million a movie and he'll just make them for us. And those movies do great. And I think we're headed toward a world where the streaming services are going to be like, this this makes sense for us as a model. We'll just do Can 10 I, of these. Let yeah. me just contradict myself for one second. I okay. will also say that the, that the upside of some of this, some of the streaming business as a person who, for instance, like really likes Brit Marling, right? Yeah. I, as a person who enjoys Brit Marling, I love that there's a world in which she is equal according to Netflix as Will Smith. They're equal people. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's no, she wasn't seeming to be, uh, I mean, the, the, the Brit might get more, a little more attention than, than, than the OA, but at the end of the day, if I'm not paying attention to any of that and I'm just going to my to, to Netflix to find something to watch, they're going to be offered to me in probably equal measure. And it's up to me to make a decision. Yeah, and especially and, how they promote them. Like if they had bought, let's say that Netflix just made Edge of 17, a movie that I really liked and I thought the girl was fantastic in it. And that was just like a Netflix original. Yeah, she did. She was. Um, but they just bought that and they made it. It wouldn't have cost them much money. And then they're plugging it for a week. It probably does as well for them as the Gilmore Girls did on Thanksgiving. A lot more people would have seen it, that's yeah, for sure. a lot yeah. more people would have seen it. It was good. I mean, she didn't even get nominated. She um, got a Golden Globe nomination. That's, that'll, that'll do. <laughs> I'm buying stock in her. As my buddy Gus reminded me on Twitter last night, I'm the same person who way back when said Justin Timberlake was going to be a megastar. And now he has officially fallen after that no, performance. Come from on, Charles. he was great. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah. White, white splaining Bill Withers to Denzel Washington. Give me a break, Justin. <laughs> all right, maybe that that was rough. The, uh, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Did we hit everything? I think we did. I think we did. I, I, I just again, I just want to exclaim one more time how crazy what what happened last night was. I mean, it just it's just crazy. Yeah, and I, it's, I it's feel not gonna really fade. bad for those. Mo- yeah, no, I mean, I feel really bad for the La La Land people. I feel really bad for Warren Beatty. <laughs> I mean, but been- I'm really happy for, for for Barry Jenkins and the Moonlight people. Me I, too. I really am. While we've been recording, um, Price Waterhouse Coopers officially claimed full responsibility for the screw up, oh, okay. which is interesting. Um, I'm not sure if somebody was forced to take the bullet there. Um, I wonder how many people got fired today. This is one of those. I mean, can you have a more public failure than what happened last night that's you had one job it's the definition of you had one job hey wesley quickly 2017 what movie have you liked the most so far get out okay so i need to see that this week same okay yeah yeah not john wick 2 john wick 2 is good john wick 2 is fun uh i like split but i mean get out is get out is is it's not even perfect, but I mean, the things that are imperfect about it are even kind of special and weird. And, and it's actually, it's a horror comedy, but it is also, by the time you get to the final two or three scenes, it's a tragedy. It is a real, honest-to-goodness American tragedy um, that, is, that is, you know, given horror comedy clothing. Well, my dad was in New York City this weekend with my two cousins, 
and they saw John Wick 2 at a 4D theater, which he didn't know what that was. It was just what the time was. Mm. He's like, they, mm-hmm. they were shooting water at us? The seats were moving? <laughs> like it, it was like he had no idea this world existed. And, uh, and he highly recommended John Wick 2. He said air would come out of his seat every time John Wick killed someone. Oh, it was like smell of vision. Oh yeah. And he's like, and he killed 128 people. I don't like, know if right, that's Dad. more or less extraordinary than the fact that Get Out is the number one movie in America and Moonlight won Best Picture on the same yeah. weekend. It's bizarre. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. Wesley, 2017. All right, Wesley Morris, what's your next, uh, when's your next piece coming out in the Times? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> right. I'm having an offer conversation with A.O. Scott Manila Dargis, but other than that, uh, I'm working on some things. All right, and we can hear the Still Processing podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher and Overcast FM and wherever else podcasts are sold. You can, you can. Thank you, Wesley. Thank you, Sean Fennessy. You edit uh, You edit a website called The Ringer, I heard? TheRinger.com. Okay. There's some Oscar pieces. Several. And it's Food Week. It's Food Week. On The Ringer. This is hell of a oh, time. Lots of food. Food Week. Food yeah. Week. Get in there. Uh, the 50 best fast food items. The making of a perfect uh, vegan burger. Many other pieces to come. So a lot much. of Danny Chow. I love you guys so much. We're doing a lot of stuff. Adam Perry Lang is involved. We did some videos. Yeah, there might be some great chefs. We'll see. I might have a hot take about food in me. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, today's uh, episode of the Bill Simmons podcast was brought to you by Shack House. That's our golf podcast sponsored by Callaway. This week, Joe House and Jeff Shackelford. Speaking of food, Joe House. <laughs> hey, did we leave Joe House at a food week? Shit. Nah, it's not too late. We got four days left. They're back talking about the WGC Mexico Championship. Subscribe to Shackhouse at iTunes.com slash The Ringer or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks to SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app today. Go right to SeatGeek.com. Thanks to Pearl Jam. Sign up for a 10-club digital membership on PearlJam.com and get full website access plus priority ticking plus exclusive merchandise plus tons of other stuff. That's at PearlJam.com slash 10 dash club and thanks to wesley morris i miss you thanks for coming on always a pleasure and uh thanks to sean fantasy we'll be back later this week on the bs podcast bye wesley bye wesley bye you guys food week (laughs) 